remember in Costa Rica how exciting it was to see. You know, in Costa Rica, it rains eight, eight months out of the year. So you'd miss a lot of church if you stayed home for rain. And I just remember our building there was long. It was about this wide, but it was really long, too. And I just, I used to get up to preach and be so excited when I would look back and see the entire back of the church full of umbrellas. And these people's legs, they'd be praising God. And, you know, it kind of just reminded me of that video last week of China and gives you that hunger for the hunger. Amen. And uh, just, just seeing these people walk in, I mean, it would be feet deep of water when it rained over there. And their, half their leg pant legs would be wet. And they'd be, I mean, you have umbrellas to kind of help a little bit, but you're still going to get wet. Because 95% probably of the church walked and have cars. We, you know, we had several hundred people and probably only had five or six people who had a car. So it was exciting to see them walk in in that. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. We're going to read this story that we just saw in the video. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. We see that all the time with Jesus. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Now, before we continue, I want you to underline a couple of very important things. Twice we see here, have mercy on us. I want you to underline that in your Bibles or highlight it or whatever you do to put emphasis on something. And then I want you to also underline where it says, O Lord, Son of David. O Lord, Son of David. I really want to make an emphasis on that this morning and teach you something that I believe will bless you. Um, a lot of times we can read the Bible and hear stories. There's some of you in here this morning been saved a long time, heard this story over and over, heard the word son of David lots of times, heard the word Lord lots of times, and sometimes don't even un really understand the significance of that, and I want to get into that in a moment. But then I want you to see something really powerful in this story. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, don't go there for now, but Mark chapter 10 is the story that actually mentions that this is Bartimaeus. We don't see a name in this story. It's the cool thing about the fact that God chose to have four Gospels. You know, he could have just had one, and we'd have had the perspective of one man. But he put four Gospels in to give different perspectives or different angles, as you would think of somebody filming uh, or seeing an accident or seeing a miracle or seeing a situation. People see things from different angles. They see the same thing happen, but they all have a different angle and a different perspective. And so Matthew doesn't mention the name of the, beg of the beggar here, but Mark does. And so we know that he is Bartimaeus. We don't see the name of the other one. I want, that, I want to make an emphasis on that. We have to understand that whenever there's a name in the Bible, that name signifies many times, and most times I should say, that they believed in Jesus Christ and were saved. Because the Bible says that the way we know we're going to go to heaven and the way we'll be recognized on the day of judgment is what? That our name will be in the Lamb's book of life. And so here we see two beggars. And the interesting thing is, as we're going to finish this story, I'm going to get ahead of myself for a second, is we're going to see in this story that both beggars get healed. Out of, out of God's what? Mercy. He's the Messiah, the merciful healer. But we have, a, we have a, a situation today, and it has been like this for 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. It's still this way today, where you have some people who look at God for what they can get from God. And you have others who look at God for who he is. So here we see blind Bartimaeus and his friend, both begging, both asking, both crying out for mercy, and both wanting something. But I love this because it says in verse 32, Jesus stood still. How many want to have the attention of Jesus Christ? Think about that. Amen. How many want to be able to know that Jesus would stop what he's doing for you this morning? Amen. He would stop what he's doing and give you his attention. And then not only stop, but do this. Jesus stood still and called them and said, watch these words, what do you want me to do for you? 
That'd be a very important thing to underline too. We're going to hit all these areas right here in this message this morning. What do you want me to do for you? And, and I'm going to get to this a little bit in more depth in a second, but let's see what the answer is. He says, they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Lord, that our eyes may be opened. How many know that a beggar, in, especially in those times, that's all he knew what to do was beg, but he never had asked somebody for sight before because he had never had somebody ask him what they wanted to do that could do something for him different than give him his next meal. Some of y'all will get that tomorrow. Amen. He's begging and all of a sudden he's hearing these stories and he's hearing what everybody else is hearing. I'm trying to really hit home it's been like this, especially in like the last year, really getting you guys to understand how important it is that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that we have a revelation personally of who Jesus is. Because we see these stories in the Bible and we don't catch it sometimes what God wants us to catch because we have a world full of people who have heard of Jesus, don't really know who he is, don't claim, don't claim him to be Lord of their lives, or if they do say that they're Christians, they don't really know Jesus. And so we hear, see in this story that all of a sudden a revelation happens. This is not the first time that this man has asked for something. It's what he did for a living. This is a beggar. He has the right words. He has the right way to say it. The only reason he's alive is because he's a good beggar. If he wasn't a good beggar, he'd be dead. Because the only way he eats is by begging. That was his profession. I'm going to get there in a second. That's what he did. He was a beggar. Hey, what do you do for a living? I beg. That's all he knew how to do because that's all he could do because he was blind. But he had a set of skills, which was listening. He said in that video there, he said, I was able to listen because of the lack of my vision. And he said, I could, I could get to the place where I could tell who was walking by how they walked, if they dragged their feet, if they picked their feet up. And so he's having this revelation, but he's a beggar. So beggars beg. Beggars ask. Something interesting happens here. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And instead of the beggar saying what he would normally say, which is, I need some money. Can I have some money? He didn't say that for the first time in his life. Why? Because he had a revelation. And not only did he have a revelation of what he needed, which was healing, he had a revelation and said, Messiah, he said, you are the Lord, the son of David. Okay? He didn't just say, you are a teacher or you are a prophet. Remember, I'm not reading it today, but remember our text for this series is when Jesus goes to his disciples and asks them and says, hey, uh, who do men say that I am? We went over that last week as we started the series. Who do men say that I am? And they begin to answer. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet uh, Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And, and, then, and they say all these things. And he says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And that's the thing I'm trying to teach you is this, this is the, answer, the question you have to ask, answer yourself to, to God for yourself is who is Jesus to you? Not who is Jesus to your husband or wife or friends or family. Who's Jesus to you? Because it's, it's something that has to become personal. And so this guy has a, a revelation, Bartimaeus, and says, you are the Messiah. You have mercy on me. Lord, son of David. Okay, now the reason I'm hitting that home is I'm going to get to that in a second. But I want you to think about something that's pretty amazing. He said something there. How many, how many want to get to the place in your walk with God that when you're hearing a message or you're reading the Bible that something clicks? And you go, ooh. I like it when I'm preaching and someone goes, ooh. or It's, it's not anything I'm saying. It's the Holy Spirit turning on the light bulb and all of a sudden, oh, Oh, that's what that means. Oh, okay, 
okay, that makes sense. And all of a sudden something just resonates in our spirits. See, we can't get that when we're in a dead religion where we sit up, sit down, do this, do that, move around. Yes, no. No, we're not. That's not what we're doing here. We're not in a dead religion. We're doing relationship. God's word is alive to us this morning. And he's somebody to us this morning. He's not just a name. He's not a religion. He's not a church. He is Messiah, the merciful healer this morning. Amen. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the soon coming king this morning. Amen. He's the savior. He's the deliverer. He's powerful. He's almighty. But who is it? You. You are the Lord, the son of David. Now, here's what's interesting. He said in there in that video, I caught it when I was watching it the other day. It's amazing to me how people who have the best vision seem to see the least. Saw some of you nod your head. Some of you caught that in that video. Powerful. It's amazing to me how some people have the most vision but are the most blind. You would think some people, you know, it's kind of like people that, that, that are educated. Amen. They, they should be the smartest. But sometimes the most educated can be the most dumb. And it's not because the Bible's dumb. Matter of fact, the Bible can, you know, that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible can be as, as simple as you want it to be or it can be as profound as you need it to be. The Bible will relate to the person who doesn't know how to spell his name to the person who's a genius. The Bible can do that The because it's, it's God. And God was there way before science was ever invented. God was there before Harvard was ever invented. Amen. God's been around so he can go at any level. But the thing is, it's an amazing thing when those who should probably be the smartest and should be able, maybe have had the most placed in front of them can't see Jesus. And if you don't think that's true, why do you think Jesus walked his entire three years of ministry rebuking those people? Because they were supposed to know who the Messiah was. They were supposed to know who Jesus was. They, he stood right in front of them and they missed him. And not only did they miss him, they killed him. So some people that have the best vision are the most blind, he says. And I want to give you an example of that. I'm not going to go there for the story, but if you'll just write down Mark chapter 10. 35 to 37, and it's actually in that same chapter that you do see the story, again for time, I'm not going there, that the same story we just read in Matthew 20 mentions Bartimaeus. Okay, in Mark chapter 10, you can read that later. But I do want to read something interesting because Bartimaeus could have, going back to this, he could have said, Jesus, give me my next meal. Give me some money. He could have done... What, every, what everybody else does when they beg. He could have done what he does every day. Now I want you to stop and begin to think about the day that you had the revelation in your heart that Jesus was Lord. That day that you should know the date. That day that you should know the time, the hour, the place. That if, you, if you don't remember the time, the hour, the place, today's the day you need to do it and you can put your watch on it today. But you should remember the day, the time, and the place that Jesus Christ changed your life. Okay? Did y'all catch that? Changed your life. Not, not gave you a membership card. Changed your life. Because when you come into contact with Jesus, he changes your life. Amen? And so he, he could have just said, hey, give me some money like, like he always did. But something happened. Something was stirring inside of his heart. And something clicked and said, I'm not going to ask for money today like I normally do because this is not a normal person. This is the Messiah. This is the merciful healer. And I'm going to go and do something a little risky here. Instead of asking for money, I'm going to ask for everything. Instead of just asking for my next meal, I'm going to ask this guy if he can heal me. If he could do everything I need. Because if I can get healed, I won't have to beg anymore. I can change my profession. If, I could, if, this, is, if this man is who I'm feeling in my spirit that he is, he could change my life, not just today, but forever. See, most of the time, Jesus was royalty. 
Even though he didn't call himself royalty, he was royalty. And at this part of his life, remember you mentioned, you heard Bartimaeus mention he's Hosanna. At this time of the year, at the Passover and at Easter and, and before Easter and Palm Sunday, that if you'll remember in the Bible, that's when they were going into the, to the city and they laid palm, palm branches down and he was on a donkey and he rode in and the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That means the highest praise. They were praising him. So at this moment, he, Jesus was no longer just a carpenter. Now he was a healer. He was royalty. He was powerful. I'm not saying in the eyes of the Romans. I'm saying in the eyes of the people. He was, he was worshipped, which he should be. He was literally worshipped. The ground he walked on, so to speak, was worshipped. They laid palm branches down, palm branches down so the donkey wouldn't go on regular ground. They were saying what today a lot of people do in the world for people. They were doing for Jesus the right way. They were worshiping the ground he walked on. They were saying, you are Hosanna in the highest. And so now he's royalty. And so Bartimaeus could have thought, man, this guy has money. He has power. He's, 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 he's royalty. I can get something from this man. I can get something. Isn't that what we do? Carnally, a lot of times, what can I get from God? And we don't really always think about the benefits of what I can do for God. We say, what can I get from God? Okay, now I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So he gets there and, I, and, and he says this to him, will you heal me? But it's interesting because there's a story in that, in that Matthew chapter 10 that I'm going to read. Just listen to these verses. Because some people have the most vision but can't see. In 35 of Mark 10, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come up to Jesus. This is before this story of the healing. And they say, after walking with Jesus for three years, teacher. Remember when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, Jesus didn't ask them. They said, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. See, see how, the, how the story changes there? Jesus stands still. Why? Because faith moves Jesus. Love moves Jesus. Compassion moves Jesus. And so Jesus was caught, just like the story of the woman with the issue of blood. He has multitudes of people around him, but all of a sudden he feels somehow virtue go out of him as a woman touches his his garment, it was not the hands, it was not the, the soft touch, it, was, it wasn't just because he's God and knows, it's because faith came out of her and pulled the, the virtue of God out of him. And he stopped and said, who touched me? Who touched me? What do you mean? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? There's thousands of people around you. What do you mean? Somebody, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Meaning somebody sees me for who I am, not for what they can get. Who I am. And so, so these guys, these guys, these guys, how many of you say, oh, these guys, right? James and, and, and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want you to do, this is bold, bold but stupid. So you can be bold with God, but you have to be bold and wise. Don't be bold and stupid. Okay? They say, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. I'm reading a verse here. It's real. We want you to do for us. And just, they didn't just say, we want you to do something. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. And they, now, now here's the thing. Let me stop there. That's, that's not a bad thing if you ask the right question. Because God loves boldness. The Bible says in Hebrews, we can go to the throne of grace boldly. So he loves boldness, but he loves when we ask the right question. Parents, it doesn't really matter so much how a kid asks. It's what question they ask, right? Kid asks the right question, they'll get the right answer. So he comes up, they come up and say, we want you to do whatever we ask. And so Jesus said, okay, guess what they ask? They said to him, no, he says, what do you want me to do for you? So same question. Same exact thing he said to Bartimaeus. Here's what they said. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Dumb question. Right? 
Y'all see the difference between Bartimaeus and James and John? Who's the blind person? They are. Physically, Bartimaeus is blind. Physically, he can't see. But spiritually, come on, somebody get this. Spiritually, he has a revelation. He's never physically seen anybody. But somehow, spiritually, somebody get this, he sees Jesus as the Messiah, the merciful healer, the son of David, the son of God, the Lord with no physical eyes. Too many people see Jesus through physical eyes, but they need to see Jesus through spiritual eyes. Too many people see Jesus through physical eyes, but don't see him through spiritual eyes. Those that are going to inherit the kingdom of God are those who have, have seen Jesus through spiritual eyes, not physical. Did you catch that? What did Jesus say to Thomas? You've touched me. You've touched my side. And you believe. But blessed are them who've never seen me and never touched me, but they believe in me. Hallelujah. I've never seen Jesus. I've never touched him. But I believe this morning. How many of you have never seen him, never touched him, but you believe? Amen. We, we have better eyes than those who can really see. Okay, how many are with me? So these guys say, sit us at your right hand, your left. And so his closest followers that were with him for three years still didn't get it. Yet this blind beggar sees that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, I want you to think about this. What do I want from Jesus? Crying out to God for mercy is a sign of humility. Crying out to God for mercy is a sign of humility. It means I need your mercy. As, as, as believers this morning, we, we, we have to be balanced. It's always everything in your walk, if you ever get out of balance, is when you're going to be in trouble. You have to stay balanced. So that means... That we are children of God and God wants us to have a relationship with him. He is king. He is Lord. We are his children. And so there's that side. But there's also the side of respect. That he's God. And so we have to have the balance in our lives to understand that he wants a relationship with us. And he has a relationship with us. But we have to do our part as we expect him to do his part. Okay? And so I can never get to a place where I forget that I am a sinner saved by grace. Too many Christians today have been saved so long that they almost get to a place that they might not admit it, but they think, I don't need you know, that help no more. That's that person over there that's lost. That's that person over there that's failing. That's that person over there that's making mistakes. Look at those mistakes they're making. Watch out. We've got to stay merciful. We've got to stay humble. We have to stay in the place where we say, God, if it wasn't for your mercy, I would be in hell right now because that's where I deserve to be. Don't ever get to the place. So, so there's the balance of I know I'm a child of God, but I'm a child of God because of his mercy. I know I'm a child of God, but I'm a child of God because of his mercy. See the balance? Can't ever forget it's because of his mercy. The Bible says we are saved by his grace and his mercy, not by our works or our goodness, lest any man should boast. So the balance is, I am a child of God, but I am only a child of God because of his mercy. Now, I want to go back for a second to when he mentions the son of David. This is something I believe is going to really help some people. This is a, 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 a stumbling block sometimes. Um, this is something you can use in what's called uh, hermeneutics. And it's, it's how you deal with people who believe in other religions. There's certain things in the Bible that are said that people don't understand or grasp. And so when they, when they say, Lord, Son of David, that just automatically throws people off. And see, Son of David, he's, he's, a, he's a son, he's a man, see? See, he's a son, he's not, he's not God, he's a man, Son of David. 
and they automatically go that, that route and that way, and, and they, they hear the, the words, Son of David, and they don't grasp that, that what's really taking place there is the relationship that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David, is fulfilling the scriptures of the Old Testament. And what they're doing by saying Jesus, son of David, is they're responding in a way that they're saying, I believe that you are not just Jesus, but you're the son of David, which means you come from the lineage that the book of Psalms and the book of Jeremiah and all the old prophets prophesied that you'd come from. And so you're not just Jesus, the Nazarene, you're Jesus, the son of David. The Messiah. Okay, how many see that? 17 times in the New Testament, Jesus is described as the son of David. So people would say, how can, and it's one of those things that just kind of throws you off if you don't understand it. How could he be the son of David if David lived a thousand years before he came on the earth? Because we don't understand the way they talked. We don't understand uh, uh, the way that the Hebrew language was. We don't understand uh, different things like that. But the reason we don't understand is because we don't want to. We don't want to think even with our minds sometimes. We don't want to really uh, study the word. But if you begin to think about it, today in the year 2017, we have last names. We have middle names. In some country, they have seven names. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Seems like some countries, every year add a name. Amen. There's, and you know what? One of the reasons is because of population. In the Bible times, there was no last names. Y'all hear? There's no last names. Someone's going to grasp this. There was no last names. Why is he called son of David? Because you had to trace back his lineage to the fact that he came from the bloodline of David. So he's not physically the son of David. He's the son of 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 the son all the way back to David. Bloodline. When we understand salvation and we understand Easter and we understand that he shed his blood for us, we have to understand that that blood that he shed for us had no sin in it. And the reason that blood had no sin in it is because he eliminated the bloodline that was the sin part, but he also, by being born of a virgin, eliminated the part that he would be contaminated. So he's fully God, fully man. Fully God, fully man. Then you see, and I'll write this down for homework, 2 Samuel chapter 7 actually prophesies that he would be the seed of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7. He had to be in the lineage of David. So think about this. Again, let me give you some, some examples. Matthew the tax collector. Simon the tanner. Tanner was not his last name. Tanner was his profession. Collect, tax collector was not Matthew's last name. Hey, Mr. Tax Collector. That was his profession. Why? Because they needed to be able to say who that person was. Or... Jesus the Nazarene. They would say where they were from. So they didn't have last names. So what Jesus are we talking about? What Jesus are we talking about? Jesus, the son of David. How many see that? How important it is that he mentions that. So when he's having this revelation in his faith, he's seeing Jesus is the son of David, meaning he is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. Now, to finish, son of man. We hear the words son of man. That sounds weird. How, how can God be the son of man? How can he be son of God and son of man? It's mentioned 88 times in the Bible. I want, you, I want to read you a prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, in my vision at night, I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, and all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be 
destroyed. That's Daniel prophesying in Daniel 7 that the Son of Man is going to come and rule and reign and be the what? Messiah. Okay, so Son of Man, Son of David. No last names. Here's another thing. This is, this is hermeneutics for Islam, for the Muslim religion. They can't handle the fact that God is called, or Jesus is called, the begotten of, G of God. They, they, they'll go straight to the verse that says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. As soon as they say only begotten Son, they can't grasp. They say, who's the wife? They say, how's it possible? That makes him a man. And they go off on all kinds of things. But they don't understand that begotten means the one and only. The one and only. How many ways to heaven are there? One and only. Who's the way to heaven, the Bible says? Who's the one that gives you access to the Father? No man enters into heaven except through me. No one gets to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the begotten Son of God, not meaning that I'm not God, meaning I'm the only one. I'm the only one. God gave his only one. God gave the unique one, his Son, fully God fully man. How could we understand? I'm telling you, I've said it before, if this Bible's not true, it's the best, most amazing story ever made up. Because, because we would say, well, if he was God, you know, how could he understand us? If, if he's God, how, you know, he, he's way up there in heaven. How, how could he understand my pain? And how could he understand my hurts? And how could he understand uh, what unforgiveness is and forgiveness is? And we, we'd say that. That's what we'd say to God. And we'd say, oh, you, you can't relate. You're up there in heaven in the streets of gold. How can you relate to me? And God says, okay, I'll take care of that. I'll be God, but I'll come down into a physical body just like you and live fully God in a fully human body. So then he's the son of man. He's man. He's human. He feels the pain we feel. He goes through the things we go through. He has the fears. He has the inadequacies. He has the, you know, one, one of the most amazing things that leading up to, to Easter time is that Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying and he's asking God the Father, can we change the way we had this planned? You talk about showing his human nature. Bleeding, sorry, sweating blood. God, you know, I didn't really realize, I, I, I love to think about that. I didn't really realize this, this whole being in a human body thing was going to be so hard. Because just as hard as it is for us to imagine what it would be like to be God, it was hard for God to imagine what it would like to be human. Yet he became human. Yet he became human. So that he could feel our pain. Don't ever say God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Don't ever say that. Because it's not true. Not only does he know what you're going through. He knows what every person who's ever lived has gone through. It's not even possible for us to be able to fathom in these minds that we have that are minute the pain and the suffering that Jesus would have gone through just for my sins. Just for your sins alone. Can you imagine the guilt? If you've ever felt bad for something in your life that you did wrong, can you imagine the guilt? How hard that is on your body, how hard that is on your mind to have that going through, the pain, the guilt, the shame that you feel for a sin that you did. Of one person, the Bible says he took all the sins of all the people who've ever lived on his physical body. We cannot grasp it right here what that means to be fully God. To be able, this is why he's called the merciful healer. The merciful healer. Because one thing I do quickly want you to see in Matthew, in Mark chapter 10. I, I didn't think I want to go there, but I do. Mark chapter 10. I'm closing. Mark chapter 10. Get there with me real quick. Is I want you to see one of his greatest characteristics that we all need more of. 
because we all need to be more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Amen. Every day. Well, I've been saved for a long time, man. I, I've been doing this for a long time. Are you more like Jesus today than you were when you gave your life to him? We better be. Are we going to be more like Jesus or are we going back to our old selves? Which way are we going? You've been saved for three weeks or you've been saved for 300 years. You should be heading towards Jesus in your walk. How you talk, and how you feel, and how you live, and how you act, and how you respond. We need to be like Jesus. Amen. And so look at this. Mark, Mark chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole story. We see the same exact story. Son of David, have mercy on me. But look what Jesus does, shows down here. In the, in the end of this story. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 52, he says, go your way. I actually have to show you this before I show the other one. Go your way. What made him whole? His faith. How did he have faith if he couldn't see? Something connected with his spirit. Okay, something connected with his spirit. Something triggered, something happened. The day you said, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, was the day that something triggered inside of you. Okay? Now, hold, just seeing that real quick, go back quickly to Matthew 20. I should have told you to hold it. And watch this. Jesus stood still, verse 32. He says, what do you want me to do for you? They said, remember they said, I, I got to hit that home. They said, both beggars, have they said that our, that our, that's plural, eyes would be opened. So they both answered. And look what Jesus did. He had compassion. See, that's what we need more of. Compassion. We need more of the empathy and the feelings that Jesus has towards us, towards others. Because if you want people to get saved, listen to me. If you really want people to get saved, you're going to have to treat them like Jesus did. They're going to have to feel something genuine coming out of you that shows them that you really care. One of the sayings I've always remembered my whole life, doesn't mean I do it perfect all the time, but I, I try to and remember it, is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can preach the gospel till you turn blue. But if you don't do it with some compassion, if you don't do it with some mercy, if you don't do it with genuine love, they're not going to want it. You might fumble over your words. You might not say all the verses right, but if they say, man, I, you know, you're not doing a very good job selling me on this, but I can tell you love Jesus. That'll work better, amen? That'll work better than quoting verses and, and Genesis to Revelation and, and showing them all the theology in the world. They'll say, you know what? I can tell that you're new at this. I can tell you you ain't got it all together. You haven't read the whole Bible yet. But I'm, I can also tell that you truly love Jesus and Jesus has truly changed your life. So I want that Jesus. How do I be saved? He says he had compassion on them touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Now we see that they followed him. They followed him. But because we don't see the other beggar's name, at some point in his life, he stopped following him. That's the, that's the picture of the cross with one thief on one side and one on the other. They both looked at Jesus. One said, have mercy on me. And the other one said, if you, watch this, if you can, if you're Jesus, get us all off this cross. See the difference? One says, hey, if you could remember me today, could you remember me today? He's basically saying, could you have mercy on me today? Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the other one says, hey, if you really... See, he, he does what those two disciples did. Now, thank God those two disciples, somewhere along the line, had a revelation and didn't ever ask that dumb question again. But at some point, they wanted Jesus to make them right and left on the throne. I don't know about you. I don't want to be anywhere near the throne. I don't want that responsibility. Amen. 
How many are just going to be happy just to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. I don't care if it's on the last row. I just want to be there. I'm not worried about being on his right hand or his left hand. And somehow, somehow that changed. But the other guy says, hey, if you are really God, do something for me. Get us off this thing. But the other says, no, he, the other guy says, no, we should, you shouldn't be up here. I deserve to be here, but you don't. Have mercy on me, that one says. So the last thing I want you to think of is this. When we come into contact with Jesus the Messiah, our lifestyle changes. Our lifestyle changes. I could preach a whole entire message on that right there. Our lifestyle should change. Because he met Jesus one day as a blind beggar. And the next day, he was no longer blind. But he could have kept being a beggar. Did you guys catch that? He was no longer blind, but he could have kept being a beggar. But he changed his lifestyle and he followed Jesus. If we truly believe in Jesus, if we've truly changed, if he's truly changed us, we should change our lifestyle. The way we live, the way we think, the way we act should be different. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your presence this morning. Who do men say that I am is the question that you're asking all of us. Who do you say that I am is the question that we have to answer. Personally, Lord, we're, we're, we're talking about a personal revelation this morning. God, who are you to me? And today we see through the scriptures that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. The Messiah, the Son of Man. The Messiah, the Son of David. The Messiah, the merciful healer. You are the God who heals all my diseases. You are the God who heals me of my broken heart. You are the God who delivers me from all of my sin. How can we not understand this morning as we, as we hear that thunder outside, so loud and so powerful, how can we not understand how big and amazing God is? But one of the most amazing things about how big and amazing He is is how merciful He is. God, thank you for your compassion and your mercy. What do you want from Jesus? It's okay to have things you want from Jesus. It's okay to, to, to have needs and wants. But the key, I think, is more than anything that I could ever want from him. I just want him. Think about that. Instead of wanting things, just want him. And watch what he'll do in your life. God, I just want to know you greater. God, I just want to be closer to you. I just want to have a better relationship with you. I want to hear your voice clear. I want, to, I want to be a better disciple. I want to be a better soul winner. I want to be a better example of the merciful Messiah that you are. I want to, I want to be an example of what a healer you are. Physical healing is wonderful. But spiritual healing is so much better. I know that all of us this morning can use some kind of spiritual healing. Because we're not where we want to be, but we're also not where we used to be. Thank God. Cry out to Him this morning. The merciful Messiah, the merciful healer. Make sure in your spirit and your heart before we leave today that you say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins. How many all over this place this morning could say, Pastor, I've 
never said that prayer. I need a spiritual awakening this morning. I need to be born again this morning. I need Jesus Christ to come into my life and become Lord. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God. How many can say that's me? I've never done that before. I need Jesus to come into my heart this morning. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. That's me. I want to know this morning that my name's in the Lamb's book of life. I want to know this morning that I'm born again. That happens through that, that quickening in your spirit that says, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah, the merciful healer. As we stand this morning and we're in the presence of God this morning, Let's ask ourselves this morning that, God, I hope I'm not that person that has the best vision that sees the least. Help my spiritual eyes to be opened. Give me new revelation today as you did to Bartimaeus as he began to hear. That's the interesting thing about Bartimaeus is as we looked at that video, and it's always neat to have a video that kind of gives us a visual. He says, I could hear this, the crowd. I could hear the screaming, the, the yelling, the, but it was a good screaming and yelling. The, 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 the crowd excited. I could hear those things. I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. I, I, knew, I knew something was happening. And then Romans says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Too many times I believe we, we look at things and we miss because we look too much. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God when we hear something it clicks in our spirit and and how many have come to notice that the way things look sometimes can be deceiving you might think how in the world is God working in this situation but something God spoke something to your spirit and you say I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on that word God gave me a word God gave me a word has God ever given any of you a word if he gave you a word, if he spoke something to your spirit, you can't be focused always on, well, I don't see it happening because God works in mysterious ways. This morning, you might need physical healing. You might need marital healing. You might need financial healing. There's all kinds of needs represented in, in a service. But I want to tell you this, he's here. He's here to meet your need this morning. Cry out to him. Messiah, merciful Savior, merciful healer, and he'll heal you. I want to I believe together this morning as the, as the altars are open that nobody would leave sick, that nobody would leave bound, that nobody would leave depressed, that nobody would leave the same way that you came in. As we just take a few moments this morning just to worship him, just allow this message to resonate in our spirits as we sing this song. And just cry out to God. Crying out is a mercy, for mercy is a sign of humility.
lift our hands all over this place and sing Hosanna in the highest. Oh, just shout it out this morning, Hosanna. I confess that you are the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Man, the Son of the living God. You are the merciful healer. Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and defeated death on the cross when you rose from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. As I confess you today, publicly, help me to also, always confess you 
privately. Lord, look into my heart and work on me every day to be more like you. Give me revelation from your word of who you are. Let me grow. Give me your compassion. Give me your words so that I can make a difference in the lives of others. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we keep our hearts pure and we keep that as a real prayer and we mean it, the sky is the limit on what God can do for your life. If that's really genuinely, it doesn't take away from the fact that we have needs and we sometimes, you know, Lord, I need you to do something here. Lord, I need a touch. Lord, I need a better job. Lord, I need, those, those are okay. There's nothing wrong with asking those things. He wants us to ask. But man, when we are concerned about our walk and our relationship with him, and we're concerned about how we can make him known, that's when he just loves to bless us. That's about keeping our hearts pure. And I, and I think I love about that, that video is that, that he wasn't telling a crowd. He was in a tunnel by himself. And it's kind of a picture of that's who Jesus was to him by himself. How many are getting that? That's just so important that who is Jesus? You know, again, religious people can act like they love the Lord here. Because everybody's singing and everybody's raising their hand and everybody's clapping and everybody's here. But who are you in the tunnel? Who are you when no one else is around? And who are you when people are around that don't believe like you? Amen. That's the person God wants us to be. He wants us to be bold around our family and our friends and our coworkers. He wants them to see there's something about you I don't have. There's something in you I need. And that they would even come up and ask, what do you have? Who, what do you do? Why are you so happy? Why are you so fulfilled? And you can tell them. Because Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of David. Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that even just being here right now in this altar and in this church, in our chairs, you're healing our bodies. You're delivering us from addictions. You're removing the desire in our lives for things that don't amount to anything, that don't matter. You're strengthening us. You're, you're drawing us into your presence. You're causing us to know you more. You're filling us with your compassion. You're, you're, you're working in areas of our lives that need to be worked on as we focus on our relationship with you. Lord, you're dealing with our horizontal situation is we're dealing with our vertical relationship with you father that's what you want from us to keep our eyes on you as the author and the finisher of our faith this morning and by your stripes we're all healed this morning by your stripes we're delivered by your stripes we have peace this morning your word says the chastisement of our peace was placed upon you you were bruised for our iniquities you are stricken for our disease. And Lord, by those stripes that you took on your back, we are healed this morning. Mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, every area of our lives, God. Thank you for that. Take us out of here safely, Lord. Bring us back tonight with a, with a desire, Lord, and a hunger just to know more about your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love on somebody this morning.